Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. But to, to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Um, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Lord, we pray that you would speak in ways now that we can hear you and receive you. Lord, if there's anything that's weighing on us or distracting us, Lord, please give us grace to give it to you, that we might know your peace and be free to be attentive to your word. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Hasn't it been a fun week in the news? <laughs> I'm telling you, I think we are in a mess, and, it, and it's, not, it's not so much what's happening, it's that we're talking past each other so that we can't even understand each other. Um, we have a friend who, who belongs to a, a different denomination, and, and she sent out a prayer request yesterday on Facebook and said, please, people of faith, pray for our fellow believers who are fighting the government Pray for their strength, pray for their protection, and all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, we do not look at this the same way. And yet we, we, we call Jesus Lord. We've got to slow down here. What are we supposed to do with this? This is such a hazy mess. What are we supposed to do? And then this morning I was, I was uh, on my way here, and, and uh, I got a little notification, and my friend Chris posted this. He said, it is uh, the, the responsibility of every Christian to regularly ask, is my faith a reflection of my political, cultural, or socioeconomic values and actions, or is the reflection of my faith a reflection of Jesus' values and actions in the world? So I am I'm grieving right now for what's happening in our capital and what's happening here. I'm grieving that we are seem to be just the gap between perspectives is widening, not narrowing. And I wonder, isn't it amazing 
that this is the reading for today. To pray and love your enemies. So today, I want to I wanna take a closer look at this and just say, you know, are we doing it? Because we all know the teaching, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love your enemies, do good for them. It's one thing to know it, but do we live it? And how do we live it? Okay, so this week, earlier in the week, I was playing Mario Kart with my son, Colin. And uh, he's getting better. And as we were, uh, <laughs> proud dad, as we were playing, he just asked me, he goes, Dad, do you have an arch nemesis? I was like, uh, no. Do you have an arch nemesis? He goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> Colin's in grade three, for those of you who don't know. I'm like, really? He goes, yep. I said, who's your arch nemesis? King Boo, who, if you don't know, Mario Kart is a big ghost. He's a king of the ghosts. And he was knocking Colin around pretty hard on the racetrack. And I'm like, oh, I said, well, you know, Colin, I've got someone knocking me around a lot, too. And, and uh, I said, I don't view them as my arch nemesis, though, but as a competitor and someone that forces me to get better at the game. Teaching moment, right? But I totally hate some of the people on that game. <laughs> anyway, the question is, the, the challenge is that Jesus is, is teaching his disciples. He's saying, for those who are hearing me, for those who are attentive to me, this is the lesson I have for you. It's not a series of do's and don'ts. There's a really big temptation for some of us to say, what do I need to do in order to think better of myself and to look down on others? I have that tendency in me, right? What's, what do I need to do so I can say, yeah, I got this. You don't, right? I'm better at this than you are. It's just like when we play Crokinole on Thursdays. Hey, Laurel, yeah. Laurel and I are disagreeing right now because I think we won on Thursday. Right, Jeannie? Laurel doesn't agree, but we won. Okay, anyway, moving right along. Um, this is not about do's and don'ts. It's about how do we cultivate the kind of heart that doesn't lose the humanity of the person we disagree with. How do we cultivate the kind of heart that loves in rega regardless of how we are treated, that we can actually appeal to their humanity and say, I don't, I don't agree with you, I don't like how you're treating me, but my goodness, you have the capacity to reflect the goodness of God around every, everywhere you are. You can reflect the goodness of God because of who you are. And I want to see that for you. This passage is coming right after Jesus pronounced a bunch of woes against towns and communities that rejected him. And when we read what a woe is, it's not a damn you for rejecting me. It's a lament. It is grief. It is distress that they are missing out on everything God wants for them. God doesn't, or Jesus doesn't seek vengeance on those who reject him. He grieves for them. He wants more for them. Can we say the same for people that we disagree with? Love your enemies in practical ways. Do good for those who hate you. That'll tick them off. Bless those who curse you. Like when they 
want to take life away from you. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> um, but uh, when, when, when people like, actually wish you evil, they want to give you good. You want to give good in return. When I was a chaplain at Ross A. Netherwood School, I got to explore some pretty scary things because they had questions. I said, whatever question you have, I will answer it. It may take me a while, but I'll answer it. And one question had to do with Satan. Why, Satan's, why do we look at Satan with such a bad guy? He's just another perspective, right? So I got to read the Satanic Bible. Little portions of it, not the whole thing. So I'd like to share a bit with you, if I may. It's okay. <laughs> this is real. I found it really helpful. I don't know what's going on with the slides. <laughs> it's just... Let's not touch the keyboard. Okay. Um, <laughs> so um, let's see here. So when we talk about love, we talk about something that is graciously given. Okay? The Satanic Bible is very different from that. Uh, and it says this. Love is one of the most intense feelings felt by man. Another is hate. Forcing yourself to feel indiscriminate love is very unnatural. If you try to love everyone, you only lessen your feelings of, for those who deserve your love. You hear that? So you can only love people who deserve your love. And if you don't, if you extend it beyond that, then you're gonna, you only have a limited amount. That's not Jesus' understanding of love. Love is based in a grace, a gift. And the weird thing with love is the more you express it, the more you get C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said that heaven is not a carrot to bribe us into good behavior. Heaven is the natural consequence of what happens when we live in a godly way. And that's what we're meant to do. We're supposed to reflect the kingdom of God. I'm sorry, but the Satanic Bible just doesn't get love. Are you surprised? I'm a little surprised, but it just doesn't get it. It also encourages you to hate where it is due. And that's something very, very concerning. So when we talk about our enemies, those who wish us evil, or those we disagree with, how are we to express the love God has for them? How are we to do that? We don't let our own convenience get in the way. We actually get out of our comfort zone and go to where they're at. And you can do this in a really simple way. For those of you on Twitter, follow people you can't stand right? Kim's like, I'm going to follow Paul now. Yeah. Follow people you can't stand so that you're not in an echo chamber and you can hear other people's perspectives and disagree with them, right? But, but listen to what other people are saying so that you can seek to understand and don't like just try to be right all the time. To be a loving person with your enemy means you need to be present with your enemy. I want to have coffee with my friend who wants me to pray. I mean, I am praying for protesters, but I'm praying for peace. I'm praying for a spirit of reconciliation and for decent demands. Um, this was shared uh, this, this week on Facebook. You've already seen it. <laughs> but I just love this. Uh, this, is, this is about expressing your freedom. You're entitled to the piece of pie. 
But how you take the piece of pie determines how it's going to affect other people. And so when we talk about freedom and love and all this stuff, it's about considering how we relate to other people. It's really important. Now, um, I want to stop before we go on because sometimes this passage about turning the other cheek and, and all the stuff has been used to say you, don't, you shouldn't stop abusive behavior. Behavior that dehumanizes others. And that's not how this passage is meant to be read. When there is abuse happening, it needs to be stopped. It, people need to be protected. Not only the victims, but the abuser. Years ago, I was in jail. I wasn't in jail, no. I was, I was visiting a jail, and I was with a young man who was in there for uh, attempted rape. This kid was messed up on drugs. He was messed up on porn. And he was in jail, sober. And he had no access to the internet. And he told me that for the first time in years, he felt free. Uh, whoa. Abuse damages the soul of the abuser and damages the victim alike. And so when we say turn the other cheek, we actually have to stand up against abusive behavior and to stop it. That is a loving thing to do for everyone involved. The question is, how can we do this when we can't stand the people that we're uh, coming up against? And I think you might have seen this quote before too. This is Thomas Aquinas. Nothing save the love of God can make us love our enemies, for we love them because they are his creatures made in his image, and capable of enjoying him. If we want to learn how to love our enemies, we need to ask for help, for the grace of Jesus. Because the beautiful thing is here, when Jesus had his beard torn out, he didn't strike back. When he was betrayed, he didn't try to get even. He loved and loved and loved. He was on the cross and he was praying forgiveness for people who put him there. How do we love our enemies? We keep our eyes on Jesus and we remember what he did for them. So we are to love our enemies. And the next thing is we are to do good in, in wonderful ways. Give to everyone who asks. Um, and if anyone takes, don't demand it back. Do to others what as they would, you would have them do to you. Love those who... If you love those who love you, love those who hate you too. Like it just goes on. It's just crazy the way God wants us to do good. Years ago, I lived in England with a retired clergyman. His name was Graham. And Graham loved whiskey. But there was a problem. Graham was a retired clergyman. And whiskey is expensive. And so he had a, a, a weekly tradition to visit his wealthy friends at around 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And he would just have a nice little sip of whiskey and, and you know, he was doing pastoral visiting, he told me. But there was a, a, a fundraiser in the community and one of the things, they were raffling off this really expensive bottle of whiskey. And he, he pulled me aside, he goes, Paul, I got his idea. I said, what's that? He goes, I've got two friends who are good friends and they're way luckier than me. I said, okay. He goes, I'm going to say to them, if you win the bottle of whiskey, give me half. And if I win, 
I'll give you half. He said it to two people. And then he won the bottle of whiskey. See, when we live life, when it's all about what I get out of it, the thing is, we lose everything, right? Because life isn't, isn't really worth it when it's all about me. Jesus is calling us to love in radical ways out there, other people, and to, to think, not what can, I get, what can I get out of this, but how can I add value to another person's day? How can I bless other people? For those of you who are interested, Graham went to one of his wealthier friends, the wealthier of the two, with hat in hands and said, this is what I did and I'm so, so sorry. Please don't take my whiskey. <laughs> and the friend said, of course, you can have my half of the whiskey. So he didn't lose out too bad <laughs> in the end. Um, years ago, we had a program in Fredericton. We had it in St. John as well. I'm sure they had it in Moncton too called Love Fredericton. Do you remember? It was random acts of kindness to people around us. That never should have stopped. Maybe doing it on a citywide scale should have stopped because that was crazy. But we are called to love Fredericton every single day. And we do that by saying, how can I be a blessing to the people I encounter today? And ask Jesus to help us with that. The call of the Christian is to grow in love of God and to reflect that into the world. And we, uh, <laughs> we have had enough of disordered passions in this world of selfishness and, and I want my way here and it's about my rights that is just tearing our communities apart. When we think of blessing other people, that's the stuff that actually heals us. Finally, um, we're called to actually let our gifts to be true gifts, not looking for uh, to get something out of it in, in, be, in, uh, in return. Um, it's really easy to, to serve people when they don't treat you like a servant. It's really easy to help others when you're not treated like the help. One of the problems with trying to be gracious and generous and in, in, in love is that we often do it for selfish motivation. I want at least a thank you and some politeness, please. That is not to be our motivator. Our motivator is found in verse 35. The reward that we're seeking is that we will be children of the Most High who expresses kindness to people who never show gratitude and doesn't pay people back for what they deserve. He's merciful. When we do that, our reward is, I get to live like Jesus, God's child. I get to reflect goodness in the world, and there's a freedom in that when I'm not looking for anything in return. Our world is hurting right now, and it needs healing. And when we put ourselves first in the forefront, and when we refuse to extend the hand of friendship to those we disagree with, we just widen the gap of hostility. And our uh, thoughtful acts, and when motivated by personal gain, that's, that's falling short of God's desire for us. So let us pray and ask God to give us a heart that longs for him and to reflect his love to the world around us, that we might be the healing 
agents that he's called us to be in Christ Jesus. Amen.